0: Oregon Employment First, supporting people with intellectual and developmental disabilities to work in community jobs. Learn more at iWorkWeSucceed.org. Hi, and welcome to the Oregon Employment First podcast. I'm Angela Yeager with Employment First. This week, we are talking about behavior supports on the job. Joining me today is Acacia McGuire-Anderson, statewide Employment First coordinator, and Allison Enriquez, Policy Analyst with the Office of Developmental Disability Services. Welcome both of you.
1: Hello. Thank you.
0: So we're gonna start it off with a basic question and that is what are behavior supports?
1: So professional behavior services are available through the Office of Developmental Disability Services to help evaluate the functionality of a particular behavior um, and then develop a plan for a person to learn to use more effective skills that replace perhaps a less effective or less desirable behavior um, or really increase or decrease a target behavior. Um, the ODDS services that can be billed include a t- um, services for a temporary emergency safety plan, a functional behavior assessment, um, a positive, and then writing a behavior support plan, um, and then ongoing maintenance of the positive behavior support plan. But more information regarding the limits and the rates and the service codes can be found in the ODDS expenditure guidelines. Um, It's important to keep in mind that professional behavior services can also include the time that it takes to train a direct support professional on how to implement a behavior support plan. Um, And the direct support professional might be either an employment service provider, um, a residential service provider, or some other kind of direct support.
2: So when Allison talks a little bit about target behaviors, really a behavior support plan will happen when there is a behavior, for lack of a better word, that is going to impede somebody's success on a job. So for instance, I used to work with an individual who, when they would get really frustrated, rather than express frustration through conversation or taking a break, they would literally run out the door. And we had a very busy street and they didn't have very good street safety skills. And so there was significant concern that that person would get frustrated, run out the door, and could potentially get seriously hurt. So when we talk about a a behavior support plan, what we would be looking at is how could we help that person find a different way to express that frustration rather than maybe leaving a building into an unsafe situation. And so we had a behavior support plan to help redirect or even better to avoid that whatever might frustrate the person in the first place. Of course, we can't all avoid being frustrated all the time. Sometimes it happens, but there are a lot of things that I know frustrate me. Like if I come into work and I haven't had an opportunity to drink my coffee, I might have a worse day than if I have. And so making sure that I have time to drink my coffee in the morning might be a way that you would write in Acacia's behavior support plan. This is something that could be done to help avoid Um, that frustration later. So that is really the targeted behavior that Allison's talking about, one example of what that might look like and why you might have a behavior support plan.
1: Have you heard
0: about Employment Outcome System? Doesn't sound exciting, I know, but it is. The Employment Outcome System, or EOS, website puts you in control. Go to oregoneos.org And you can look at info and outcomes for agencies providing employment services to people with developmental disabilities in Oregon. You can look up providers in your county and compare their numbers on employment services.
1: So does everyone need behavior supports? So certainly not everyone needs a behavior support plan um, or the professional behavior services. It's a billable ODDS service. Um, But if it's needed, a person can work together with the ISP team and the person's provider to identify um, ways to address a particular support need um, or risk um, for an employment service setting. Um, and it might be that the person needs training on a particular skill that a job coach can provide without needing necessarily professional behavior services. Um, a lot of times a job developer can support a person to find a good job match um, where sort of the target behavior to in de- increase or decrease at home um, isn't uh, an issue or really relevant, doesn't exist in the at work. Um, But it's also important to keep in mind, you know, that research is showing that the best indicator of success in employment is having actual work experience in the general workforce. Um, And with the right support and job match, everyone has skills that they can contribute to the general workforce. Um, And that frequently means not waiting to extinguish a particular behavior before looking for a job. Um, In fact, what we hear from uh, behavior professionals um, is that a lot of times the best BSP
2: is a is a job, um, <clears throat> which is true. Sometimes we find folks who maybe need a behavior support plan at home because they're frustrated. I keep using the word frustrated, but because there's something at home that maybe causes them to act out. But when they're in the community and on the job, they don't necessarily need the same support. We also see the inverse, which is part of why we're talking about this, because we want folks to know that if somebody does get on the job and all of a sudden there's a behavior that could be dangerous um, or cause them to lose the job, that they could access these professional behavior supports so that we can help ensure that they can keep the job. So it definitely works in a a variety of different ways, and we want people to understand this is an available support if it's needed, not for everything. The only thing I would also add is there are some things that are not behaviors. Sometimes there is a piece or part of a disability that might inhibit or limit communication. Not being able to communicate due to a diagnosis such as autism in a certain way doesn't mean that you need a behavior support plan or that a behavior support plan is going to change that behavior. It might be part of the diagnosis or part of that Particular individual circumstance, and in those cases, you may instead of looking at behavior support plan, look at a job that's not going to require a certain type of communication. And there are lots of jobs like that. We, well, I know I've worked them. Warehouse jobs where communication is not everyone's strongest suit, disability or not. And I'm not saying that everybody who has communication um, concerns would work in a warehouse, but there are opportunities that you don't necessarily have to have a particular type of communication or other requirements. And so you can find alternatives to a behavior support plan to help fit that person's um, disability or need.
0: Right. And if someone is nonverbal or has limited verbal skills or self- and other Uh, Workarounds. There's technology. There's you know something you know using a tablet or iPad to help communicate. There's other things out there that aren't related to behavior. It's not a behavior. It's just part of their disability. So that's absolutely um, yeah
1: yeah. And a job coach can definitely be used to try to identify those opportunities, options, and strategies. And then sometimes a team might want to bring in an outside person to kind of broaden and give a little more, um, uh, I guess, expertise in this area, they might want to bring in a behavior professional.
0: Right. (laughs) Do you or someone in your family experience an intellectual or developmental disability and want to learn more about Oregon's employment services for people with disabilities? Tune in to the Oregon Employment First podcast on the first and third Tuesday of each month hear about employment success stories, and learn from experts and people working in the field about what is happening in Oregon to support people with developmental disabilities to work in community jobs. So you've already addressed this a little bit, Acacia, with the example you gave, but what do do behavior supports look like on the job? Um, You mentioned the one example of someone maybe running out into the street um, when they get frustrated, but is there other examples or other information you would like people to know?
2: Sure. So there's a lot of different types of behavior support plans that may exist just depending on the person's need. And it's hard to isolate something because there's so many different That might be addressed. So, for instance, one thing we talk about a lot is pica, which is where an individual might ingest an object that's not edible. And sometimes you'll have a plan to help assist with that because that is potentially dangerous. There are some folks who might have probation and require a behavior support plan to deal with uh, probation needs. There are times when somebody may. It might not be running out into the street, but frustration may cause behavioral issues that are not something you would typically see on a job. So maybe yelling or hitting or throwing objects. Those are actually fairly common. And honestly, when I'm at home and frustrated, I might scream into a pillow. At home, I might not need a behavior support plan for that. I'm totally welcome to scream into a pillow. But at work, it probably would be odd if I screamed into a pillow at my desk. And so that might be a time when you would see a way, either behavior support plan or any other kind of support plan to help me address that specific scenario that would be related to work. And again, that's part of why we're emphasizing You can have one behavior support plan that addresses several different settings. It can be home. It can be the community. It can be work. And it could be because you don't necessarily have the same triggers at home as you do at work.
0: And it doesn't always have to be something that's dangerous or scary either. I did a story once, one of our success stories, but a young woman, her her behavior support plan was working on her overly hugging. She just loved people and wanted to give every single person she met a hug. But in her work environment, that was fine if it was her co-workers or people that she already knew, but they didn't want her just hugging every client that walked into the firm. So uh, because not everyone's always comfortable with that. And it was also possibly dangerous for her to just hug strangers on the street as well as when she was out in the community. So so there were things like that. And you know, it's not necessarily something that was going to make her lose her job but it was something for her own safety as well as the comfortable you know comfortability of the clients that they worked with they wanted to kind of just you know make sure she was aware that not everyone wants to be hugged all the time so
2: absolutely and i think the reason i am emphasizing safety or danger is because In that situation, maybe it does rise to the level of a professional behavior support plan. And that's great. That's why it's available. But sometimes that wouldn't. Sometimes something like hugging folks you don't know could be something that the job coach just knows I'm going to cue Acacia when she goes in for the hug and just remind her that she's at work. And so there are different types of support that can go into place. Um, But really, if something is a danger or a safety issue, that is the time when absolutely a professional behavior... A person should be called in to look at a professional behavior support plan. Um, And then there are other times when it may be we've tried everything we can think of and we definitely need some additional help. And that would be another great time to bring in uh, somebody to help with a professional behavior support plan.
0: So how does someone get a behavioral uh, support plan if they need one?
1: Well, either if someone thinks that one is needed, um, either if someone's working with VR or an ODDS employment service provider, um, they can make a request to the case manager um, and the person's ISP team. Um, but then the case manager would need to actually authorize um, professional behavior services in the person's ISP. Um, and ISP, again, the, is? The individual support plan. Correct. Okay. Um, So I also wanted to say that if additional hours are needed to either amend an existing plan or develop a new plan, um, and perhaps a person's already exhausted their hours of professional behavior services, and say a person gets a new job, um, and a little bit down the road they realize, oh, there's this behavior support plan, this is occurring in the employment setting, in the work setting, we need to amend that plan, maybe make some adjustments, look at that... um, Certainly, a request can be made for some additional hours, um, and those will be pretty easily accommodated and um,
2: granted. So. Alison mentioned earlier, too, that there can be hours for training, and I want to emphasize that. Somebody may already have a professional behavior support plan that's working great, but maybe the new job coach or somebody supporting the individual on the job doesn't know that. And so there could be either existing hours in the plan that could be used to train, or they could request additional hours if those had been used to ensure that the folks supporting the person on the job have that. The other thing that I just want to emphasize is there's some history. Here. It's not necessarily new to have a behavior support plan on the job. Sometimes we talk about it like that because it's never been super formal. But if you go way back in time, there was basically a negotiated rate to support anybody in any employment setting. So we had bundled services, we had things like employment path, discovery, uh, supported small group, job coaching, all in one service. And then that provider who agreed to serve the person would negotiate, well, I think that this individual is going to need some behavior support. So I'm gonna negotiate a little bit higher rate so that I can write a plan and train the plan. There's a lot of carryover from that. People who do have behavior support plans that work really well for them on the job or in a community setting. And it's okay to continue to use those plans. However, if they need to be amended or if somebody who never had a formal plan needs one, that's the time when there needs to be a request to the service coordinator or personal agent to get a functional analysis and to bring somebody on to write the plan. And really going forward, any plan needs to be one plan that covers multiple settings. Right now, somebody might have multiple plans because their plan originated when they were in that old great methodology in that old service setting. So they have a plan for work and a plan for home. Going forward with the new rule, really what we're looking at is one behavior support plan that can cover multiple settings and different scenarios. And I know that that's caused some confusion for employment providers. So I just want to put it out there that if you have an old plan that works, you don't have to stop Using it, but if you need a new plan, you need an adjustment to a plan, or you never had a plan and you need one now, that's the time to go through this process of contacting a case manager, getting the dollars assigned, and then having that plan built. So, who should be involved in
0: the
1: uh, the plan? Certainly, the person should be involved. Um, And then the people who know him or her best, um, the employment provider can contribute information um, and also then a qualified behavior professional. Um, It also might involve some input and information from other from natural supports, either in the workplace, um, residential. But as Acacia was saying, it really should address all settings, so um, you'll need to incorporate information from all of the person's um, support team. But did want to emphasize um, that there are a lot of opportunities um, for a per- to involve the person in the development of his or her support plan. Um, you know, he or she may know best why, what's worked in the past, what hasn't, how the person wants to be supported in the future, what might be effective. Um, strategies to go into behavior support plans. So important to keep in mind to um, definitely incorporate and involve the person in the development of his
2: or her own plan. Another thing to add and another change as we've gone forward, really, Kirsten Collins, who's the policy person at ODDS, Office of Developmental Disability Services, has been working working really hard on creating a uniform rule and also looking at the qualifications of who writes and delivers these plans. And so I just also like to emphasize that in order to get paid to write a behavior support plan under the new rule, you really need to be enrolled to deliver that and you need to meet the qualifications that's outlined. There is a list of professionals who are qualified to do this. And so if you've got any questions, of course, notify us and we'll do our best to point you in the right direction. But given the nature of this, this really is an in-depth, deeper dive of trying to understand a person and why the behavior may occur and how to change that. And so we really are trying to make this more of a professional industry. And so I just emphasize again, it's not that people who've done it before can't do it now, but they need to show that they're enrolled and make sure that they have the required credentials as we go forward and that they're qualified. Okay. That makes sense and I guess
0: all of this always comes back to, you know, our goal of helping people to, you know, maintain their jobs, succeed in their jobs, advance in their jobs, and that might include in some cases, you know, a behavior support plan. So, well, thank you, Allison and Acacia, for joining us on the podcast this week. Um, as always, this is the Oregon Employment First podcast, and thank you for listening. Need help planning your road to work? Go to roadtowork.oregon.gov and create your customized course to a job using available services and supports. That's roadtowork with the number two, .oregon.gov.